Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello and welcome to this episode of Investor Insights. My name is Mike Williams from Genesis and uh, I want to thank you again for your time today. Today we're going to talk about why a subpar recovery? And I put subpar in quotes because, of course, we have heard for years that this is a subpar recovery. We've heard it on the radio. We've heard it on the news. We've read it on websites. We see it on blogs. We see it in headlines. We've seen it so often we can recite it by heart. The problem is, is when the masses hear about a subpar recovery, they assume it's the economy. They assume there's something wrong uh, because subpar certainly implies that there's something wrong uh, outside of ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves, is there really something wrong? Is there something subpar about the United States economy? Surprisingly, and I'm sure this is going to be contrary to many of the headlines you have been uh, choked on, we have an answer and it's no. Uh, there's nothing subpar about an economy that is almost hitting on record numbers no matter what channel you look at. However, there is one thing wrong and it's the uh, psyche of the consumer. We're going to go through and talk about why that is causing a subpar recovery. You see, everybody walks on eggshells these days. We, we fear the next headline. We respond to one crisis after another. It's crisis, collapse, crushed, you know, a, a contagion. Uh, I, for some reason, the press has picked up on words beginning with C. I'm not sure why, but I'm sure that will pass. Uh, but here we are today. Fear stays with us. And I've been doing this for 33 years, and it, it kind of set in on 9-11. Prior to 9-11, we overcame obstacles in this country with zeal. We enjoyed somebody telling us we couldn't do something. We overcame setbacks with much more confidence. Um, you know, but now we, we fear things too often. We seem ready to find the next crisis. We are always preparing ourselves for the next battle. And how do we know that? Well, we can watch money. Um, all we have to do is watch capital. Uh, if you do, you'll see why we've had what's called a subpar recovery. First, let's, let's think about debt. We've heard uh, for many and many eons now that we have to pay off our debt. Let me tell you something. If the United States paid off all of its bonds tomorrow morning, there are multiple channels of, of our financial system that would completely collapse overnight. Uh, I can't tell you how many pension funds need 
to be able to borrow a lend, lend for long periods of time so that they can meet their actuarial needs for literally millions of retirees around the world. If there was not a steady stream of reliable debt holdings providing a steady stream of interest payments, I promise you we would not like the outcome. So like so many other things we are taught as being correct, this thesis that, oh God, we've got to pay off our debt, is completely wrong. Now, uh, I'm sure we can argue about that forever, but interestingly enough, the household debt has been paid down dynamically. In fact, as a percentage of assets, household liabilities are now back to the level seen in the mid-80s, uh, 86, 87 to be specific. Now, why is that important? Um, we have dramatically reduced debt. Now, admittedly, some of that was because people lost their homes and got out of debt for foreclosures. Um, but there's one issue about that 86, 87 period. Let me, let me give you some numbers that you ought to think about. We now have the same level of debt as a percentage of our assets as we had in 1986, except in 1986, the GDP for that year in the United States was $7.94 trillion. For purposes of this discussion between you and I, let's just call that $8 trillion. So in 86, we had an $8 trillion GDP. At the end of last year, that very same GDP had more than doubled to $16.3 trillion. Technically speaking, it's $16.29 trillion. We are tapping on the door to $17 trillion this year. Now, does that sound like a bigger number than back in 1986? So you can kind of imagine when you see debt being reduced to levels back when the economy was half its size, then you kind of have to scratch your head, okay? Now, it is our fear of borrowing to invest and build that is helping cause a subpar recovery. The subpar recovery is driven by fear, not because there's something wrong with the economy, not because there's something wrong with our businesses in the United States. It's because of the way we're acting. We are paying off debt. Typically in growth cycles, you see people borrowing money to invest and build and grow. You know when they do that? They do that when they're confident. When they're not confident or fearful, they do what they're doing now. But when you expunge that potential for growth from the system and you don't see those steps going forward being taken, you do get what would then likely be called a recovery that is less robust than others in the past. The difference? People and their psyche. Are they afraid or are they confident? The next place we can look is money movement. Look. The movement of money around our economic system is what makes it tick. If you stop money movement, our country will collapse. Our economy will collapse. As we live and spend and expand and build our families and build our companies and 
do things that we do to live life, we feed the system, okay? As we build, so too does our economy's pathway. If we stop moving forward, if we stop attacking problems, if we stop thinking about solutions, contraction will follow. We can count on it. It's our faith in the future that defines our future, like it or not. If we fear the future, its characteristics will probably darken. The horizon will look less positive. But it'll be by our very own actions or inactions. So let's go back to that comment about money movement. What do we mean by that? Well, look, um, currently, right now, we are sitting in the United States with United States holders of bank accounts and savings accounts having over $8 trillion sitting idle. $8 trillion not moving around the economy. I'm going to give you a sense of how much money that is. At the end of the horrible tech bubble and the two-year bear market that followed, when we ended in 2003, we had about two point two trillion dollars in cash. That was what I would call a fearful time. In the 08-09 collapse, we upped that to about four trillion dollars. I would certainly call that a pretty fearful time. That number has nearly doubled while the market has been going up for the last six years. We have almost eight trillion dollars doing nothing. Now you might wonder, well Mike, what does that matter? Well, remember, money movement is key to our future growth. Data suggests that a dollar spent, if you go spend a dollar today at your grocery store, at your restaurant, at your gas station, then that dollar is going to move somewhere else in the economy. If you give a tip to a waiter or a waitress, they're going to go pay their rent. And that landlord that got the rent is going to go pay his electric bill. And that electric bill is going to pay a dividend. And that dividend is going to come back to a shareholder. I'm making some of this up for simplicity purposes, but you get my point. A minimum of five other times that that same dollar moves around our system. So the geometric progression is quite staggering. For example, that $8 trillion that is currently sitting in bank accounts out of sharp, stark raving terror, I mean fear about what happens tomorrow thanks to our ungodly weight of the ridiculous headlines that bury us every day, but that money is sitting there. Not because we're confident about the future, but the lack thereof. We're not confident about the future. But here's what we're doing to ourselves. If that $8 trillion were in the system, it would create over $40 trillion of activity. Now, in case you're wondering, that's nearly three years of our GDP. Think about that for a second. If half of that money stayed in the accounts, by the way, $4 trillion is a lot of money sitting in a bank account, but if we just spent half confident in the future, if we just built things with half of that money, imagine for a moment, five times that, 
$20 trillion of economic activity would blossom into our system. By the way, if you laid $20 million, 20, excuse me, $20 trillion of economic activity over the last five years, I promise you, we would not have called this recovery a subpar recovery. And by the way, I'm just talking about personal bank accounts. I'm not talking about the corporate balance sheets where there is also trillions of dollars accumulated. The cushion that we have under our economic system is far thicker and more robust than at any time in our past. So while everybody in the world tells you to be terrified, we need to understand that our economy is operating under the weight of very dynamic underlying fear. You know, the combined impact of household leverage being reduced. Uh, think about it this way. Household debt service payments as a percentage of disposable income right now is below 10%. Now, it hasn't been below 10% since the 1970s. Think about that. Do you think our economy is more robust than in the 1970s? Do you think we have a brighter future than we did in the 1970s? By the way, in the 1970s, we thought the future sucked. Just like we think now. Imagine that. <coughs> Excuse me. Imagine that in the 1970s, we thought the future was shitty. Jay, take that out. We thought the future was terrible. Now, we were wrong, all of us, collectively. Everybody who thought that couldn't have been more incorrect. So what do you think about today? We got trillions in the bank. We've unloaded trillions of debt. We got our debt service payments down to less than 10% of our income. Haven't seen that in decades. We got household leverage back to 1980s levels. We got cash balance sheets. We got everybody terrified. Look, all of this creates what we then define as a subpar recovery. It's not the economy that created this. It's the people in the economy their actions, or in this case, the inactions, and their emotions. Were our confidence really back? Were our fears of the future to subside? Were our actions then indicative of those viewpoints? Then our economy would be exploding. The point you might be wondering, well, listen, let's get this clear. Our actions today, collectively, were one big web of people. Our actions today define our future in economic terms. If we collectively hold back, we will experience the subpar event type headlines that they sell us on every day. But as we leave our fears behind, we will also see that the subpar nature of the things we see will fall away too. There are many tailwinds moving through our economy right now, pushing us robustly into the future. Millions and millions and millions of kids are going to leave their homes in the next five to ten years, some quite sooner than that, millions of them, and they're going to want a house or a condo or an apartment. 
We've got a giant egg getting ready to go through the snake of the United States economy. Too many have missed this for too long. So make sure you focus on these bigger elements. Make sure you allow your confidence to rebuild and focus on the proper target ahead because it's much brighter than we're afraid of right now. And strangely enough, it always has been. Listen, I hope these thoughts have been helpful to you. Remember what has caused this subpar recovery. Now, until we hear from you again, until we get to speak with you again, until our next episode, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant. Thanks again for your time.